Open the door and step inside to a world of practical magic, where we blend the mystical and mundane worlds of the everyday witch. Presented by Wise Woman Witchery and hosted by Emily Morrison and Veronica Wade-Lewis. Welcome to The Witch Next Door. I'm Emily. I'm Veronica. And we are here to talk to you about Samhain, the big, massive, favorite festival of witches everywhere. (laughs) Isn't that also known as Halloween? (laughs) Uh, Yes and no. (laughs) They do fall at the same time, but... uh, but I think Halloween, wasn't that adapted from Christianity for All Hallows' Eve? Yes. Yeah. So it's, you know, that's like a whole other, that's that's more than a podcast. I think that's a book <laughs> about the history of Halloween. <laughs> yeah, how it shifted from, you know, an ancestral festival to getting candy. <laughs> right. Right. Well, up and scary things and yeah yeah mm-hmm. so I know our focus today will primarily be talking about Samhain as an ancestral ceremony and, and honoring um those that have come before and what that's all about uh and I also just want to make reference here to the fact that this also falls around the same time that El Dia de los Muertos happens in Mexican culture um and that that is really focused on honoring your ancestors and they have you know massive festivals like big festivals that are really beautiful honoring that um kind of that life and death basically not just those that have come before but like honoring the fact that we too shall pass um and anyway I can go on and on about that but I'll stop myself and bring us back to Samhain because this is a witchy podcast (laughs) (laughs) well there are witches all over the world and true. witches in Mexico celebrating the Moritos. So true. <laughs> so true. Um, so Samhain is the third and final harvest festival on the wheel of the year, um, with the first two being Lunasad and the Autumn Equinox. And uh, this is that time really where you're kind of pulling in the last of the harvest, the last things that, you know, the winter squashes and those types of things that are coming off the vine that are really going to prepare you as you move into winter. Um, you know, in, in early agricultural societies, everything revolved around crops. It, I mean, it was all about like planting and growing and harvesting because that was all about survival. And so this festival really marks that as far as okay now we're going into the darkness now it's not the time to grow anymore it's the time to take what we've what we have and you know it's often canning season this is the time when a lot of people are doing their canning um well actually I think sometimes people are doing it a little bit earlier but between like autumn equinox and now that's all happening and it depends on where you live that's the other thing in and what isn't yeah yeah so uh well we look at it in that way as a harvest festival but we also look at it as that really liminal place between the light and the darkness right it's it's starting to get cold um in the northern hemisphere in a lot of areas and we're starting to have um 
you know, much longer nights and shorter days and the sun is uh, lower in the sky. And there's that feeling of really transitioning. So when I think of Samhain, I often think of that time as transition time, um, that hovering place as we kind of cruise into that really dark, cool time of year. I see you're nodding, Veronica. Is that how you think of it as well? Yeah, it's so funny. I like, as you're talking, I'm, I'm, you know, I have, I'm very, I get a lot of imagery in my head and like, I'm just like, it feels this time of year, it does feel like you're in between seasons. It's like a, like middle to late, well, not quite late fall, but it still feels like you're on the cusp of something, you know? Mm. And I feel like that's kind of, um, you know, what we're going to talk about is like in between, the, yeah, in between worlds, the veils thinning, there's that sense of mystery. Um, and you can feel it, it's like palpable in the air. Um, and I feel like with the colors changing too, you can, you can feel that, sense it, smell it, like it, it has that thing of like change is coming, you know, and it's in the process of coming. Yeah, it changes here. I mean, the you see, like I'm looking at my window now and this one tree outside of my window tends to be the last one to grow leaves and the last one to lose its leaves in my yard. Uh, but it's all different hues of green and red and orange. And so there's that transition that's happening as it's moving towards its own hibernating stage and the leaves are moving towards their death um, to fall to the earth. And there's other trees that are around, especially we had a huge windstorm here the other night. And I went out the next day and went for a walk and went, oh my God, <laughs> like all these trees are naked now. <laughs> so it's that falling away that happens. You, know, you get this such abundance in summer and then it just sort of all falls away. And this is that, that in between um, growth and death that's happening. So- yeah. Oh, go ahead. I feel over like, you know, just like the whole season of October and like Samhain feels like um, kind of like the culmination or the climax of the season that is this in-between feeling um, where we celebrate like our ancestors and our loved ones and, you know, what has gone before and then you have this sense of what it what is to come, you know, and preparing for the winter. Mm -hmm. Well, and it, it the other thing to mention is that this is a fire festival, and it does hold that um, that polar spot on the you know the opposite spot on the wheel of the year from Beltane, which is also a fire festival. And they're both considered to be times of the year when the quote veils between the worlds are thin. Um, they're very transitional times, right? Because May is this time when you're you're stepping into that um, that abundance. You know, your garden is just starting to grow uh, and come into being. So it's that that place of birth, whereas Samhain is that place of more the death. And uh, you know, often in the spring we talk about, oh, the veils are thin, the fairies are coming through. Uh, you know, and we, we make it light and playful and trickstery because that's the energy that's happening in the earth. But what's also true is during that time, the veils are thin between all the worlds, just as they are now. Um, it's just that this time of year carries a different weight to it or a different energy to it. So we tend to think more about uh, 
alternate worlds that have to do with death and um and you know the spirit world versus just like fairies and <laughs> anyway <laughs> which is interesting because in the past some 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 Beltanes I have felt the weight of Samhain yeah and hey, this doesn't, this feels so different because the veils are thin and I feel the weight of Samhain, although it is Beltane, it's not the lightness of Beltane, but you're still holding both sides there all the time. You know, that's a life and death. Um, and what I, what I experience a lot in October is there's a lot of people in my life that tend to pass at this time and, and and just recently my niece was born and I was born in October. So there's like the doors slash veils feel open or thinner to come in and out. And so like what I've seen is loved ones who are sick or maybe, maybe or may not, you know, be choosing to stay or leave. It's easier at this time to like choose to come in or choose to leave. Mm -hmm. um, that's what I notice in my life. I mean, have you noticed that Emily? You know, I, I have not, um, I have not lost a lot of people in October, uh, specifically, although I do feel like that energy exists during this time. Um, mm -hmm. and I know a lot of people who are born in October, so I know that's real. There's like certain times a year that I, like I have little groupings of people in my life who are born at certain times a year in October, late September through like November, there's that really big uh, chunk of those folks. So um, I hear that the veils are thin and I was actually thinking about this. Uh, I know several, oh, I know somebody right now who's very, very pregnant and, and really tired of being pregnant. Um, and I, I've, I've been wondering, like, is that baby hanging on until Samhain on the full moon? Like, to, yeah. like when that veil is open and then he's coming in, um, and, and my niece actually is pregnant and she's not due for until the beginning of December, but she's starting to have early contractions. And I'm thinking the same thing, like, oh, is this, what's going to happen? Is it the veils that are thin that are like evoking this opportunity to come into the world? I don't know. I mean, we could get super metaphysical, but really we don't, nobody really knows. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it, it's a feeling too, you know, mm. like we talk about intuition and a lot of it is just like having that sense or that feeling and being in touch with that. Um, it's like, hmm, it feels different right now. And like, what, what is that? You know? Right. Absolutely. So one of the big ways that we celebrate Samhain is to honor our ancestors, you know, by creating an ancestor altar um, and bringing out, I mean, I actually have this set up in my house all year long. So this is not like, oh, look, it's my ancestor altar that I just put up for Samhain. And I'm not saying that in that voice to be like silly. Well, I'm saying it to be silly. I'm not saying it to be mean. <laughs> That would be a bad thing. <laughs> right. I just, <laughs> to just, I mean, it's fine. You can put up your ancestor altar, whatever you want. Um, I think because we have had so many losses occur at other times of the year, we have put people up in those moments onto our, or animals or whoever it may be up onto our beloved dead altar um, in those moments. And then it just stays up year round. So 
um, every time somebody new joins the ranks of our beloved dead, they get a spot on our altar. Uh, and that altar serves multiple purposes for me because it's also my working altar. So um, because it has multiple tiers, it can do different things. Anyway, that being said, many people will utilize this time, specifically this time of year to create that ancestor altar. Um, and I know Veronica, you have yours up all year round too, don't you? I do. It's, it's actually in the middle of being transformed because um, I took down most, if not all of my pictures and special sacred items for evacuation. Uh -huh. And so it's blank right now. And like, it's very strange because the first thing I do when I move into a house is put up my altar, my ancestor altar. Cause it feels like that is like welcome home. Like they're here, this is your home. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited about like reforming that into, you know, I got some little pumpkins and that's the other thing is like how to decorate your altar, just like making it beautiful, making it look like fall, feel fall and including those loved ones who you may or may not know, you know, um, animals, you know. Um, yeah, so I, that's a really, really important place in my house and I sometimes will move it, but it is like ornate and large. <laughs> Like I got like a whole troop of people that I'm like, yeah, you know, and animals that I'm just like, just constantly feeding that. And the other pieces was really neat is um, because uh, my, my sister, most of you know, my sister passed, I've said that a couple of times in podcasts, but she wrote in a letter, which was really special to my daughter that to put up food special for her, you know, like if you make treats, put it on the ancestor altar as a way of honoring me. So cool. So we're going to do that. <laughs> nice. So that's another thing off placing offerings on your altar as well um, to your loved ones. Yeah. And, and I want to, I want to go off of that piece, but there's another thing I want to say about altars first. And that is, you know, Veronica and I both create space in our home that is basically always available for our beloved dead to reside and be honored on. And they're big, like mine is a huge hutch in my kitchen. And Veronica's is like this big, would you call it a credenza? Is that what you would call that? Uh, I changed it. Oh, well, I don't know what it is. It's <laughs> a big marble table and up the wall and yeah. Yeah. So we both have these big spaces, but not everybody has big spaces and you don't need a big space and you don't need big elaborate, you know, like, like I like to do big elaborate things. Um, and you know, Veronica does too, but that doesn't mean that that's your jam. Like you don't have to have, oh, I took up this entire wall with all my beloved dead. Um, and if I don't have that, then I'm not doing it right. So I just want to be really clear. You can have like a tiny shelf or a picture or maybe you just take a candle and some flowers and that is your altar and your intention is that it's there to honor those that have passed. Um, so don't feel like the pressure of, I have to get all the pictures out. It's fun to do that for me. And I know it's, and Veronica's nodding, it's fun for her too, but it might not be the thing for you or you might not have the space for it. And that doesn't make what you're doing any less potent. Nice. That's so. Good. Yeah. Some people 
photos, you know what I'm saying? And some, I mean, I mean, I'm sure most people have had those that they love past, but maybe they haven't. And they're accessing a different ancestor energy, you know, whether it's like people they don't know, you know? Totally. Um, and, and if you wanted to, like, if you only had a tiny space, but you wanted to like intentionally honor people, maybe you just write down their names, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe you just write down their first names, or maybe you write down, you know, a, an, my matrilineal line or, you know, whatever it might be that represents those people for you. Um, that dog I had when I was a kid, whose name I can't remember, but I really loved it. You know, whatever it might be, that's what you're, that's the intention you're setting. Right. And so you could write that down or not, but if you felt like you wanted to have a, 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 like a placeholder for them, you could totally do that. Um, the other thing that I wanted to go off of was what you were saying about leaving offerings of food, excuse me, leaving offerings of food for for people on the altar. Um, and one of the things we do in, or have done, we won't be doing it this year, but one of the things we've done, we do in our circle every year is we all bring a food, uh, for a potluck for a shared meal that has some type of significance, either specifically to somebody, um, in our lives who's passed or to our lineage. So either, or, um, you know, our ancestral, uh, ethnicity lineage, And then we share that food, but in the midst of that, we also set a plate for our ancestors or we call it our spirit plate. And everybody adds a little bit of whatever it was they brought to that plate. Uh, And then that has a special spot either on the altar or often, I think, don't we usually set a place at the table? We do. Yeah. So that's another thing you can do um, is to intentionally create food that represents or means something to somebody that you know who's passed on, uh, who you're wanting to honor, and then leaving that out as an offering either at the table, like, you know, you could have a supper with your family and, you know, share stories and, or have a silent supper. That's another thing you can do to honor these people but making sure that you create that offering plate for them um, so that they feel included. (laughs) Yeah, every year, um, you know, since my daughter is grown now and we don't trick or treat, um, we transitioned at Halloween slash Samhain is our ancestor dinner at, at our home. And we do, we create a meal. We talk about it ahead of time, like, um, around our ancestry or specifically usually it's one or two people who really like to cook who's no longer here um and then we'll actually take the platter um and make a seat for them and light candles and usually there's alcohol involved because most of my family like to drink and likes to drink there's something about spirits and alcohol i don't know what it is but it it works let me just put it that way (laughs) We get a glass of wine or whiskey or whoever we're trying to um, honor, you know, with that alcohol. And then we talk about it. We share stories because my daughter may or may not have met some of these people or she was little when they passed. So um, we try not to keep the story, like change the stories and not make it stale. So like every single year we're saying the same stories. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like a little bit more exciting, but um, that's a really special time. And then we actually put the platter, I put the platter outside. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of 
a tradition to put it outside your front door as a way of welcoming. Um, so that's what we do. We put it outside our front door um, and don't let the dogs and cats eat it. <laughs> Light our pumpkins, you know, and and say goodnight and, and you know, send that prayer to them for, you know, gratitude. Mm -hmm. I love that. I didn't know the thing about putting it at your front door. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's a, I don't know where that tradition comes from. I am pretty sure I did not make that up. <laughs> <laughs> but there is a tradition about putting the water outside your front door as a way of welcoming the spirits, the ancestors, you know, in through your front door, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. I like it. <laughs> Well, and I know uh, in, in our circle and also at home, when we do a, a, some type of spirit plate, uh, at the end of our ritual, at the end of our feast, whatever it might be, we will take that outside and offer it to the land, um, mm -hmm. you know, back sending it back to the earth, whether it's composting it or burying it or whatever it might be, but to, to intentionally take it out and send it back to the earth. Um, so you can do that too. Or you could feed yeah, it to your chicken. Yeah, I actually end up doing that, you know, because, you know, it sits out overnight yeah. and then yeah. it will bear the next day, you know. Mm -hmm. Or I might wait two days because it feels like, you know, it's not just, it feels like Samhain is like not just like one day, you know. For me, I mean, I, I think that there is actually a time period, like two or three days where it feels like it's really strong, like the energy around Samhain um, and this year, a full moon. Mm -hmm. Wow. A full blue um, moon. Blue moon, full blue moon. Wow. Really powerful. You know, that that time is not just one day or, you know, that it's, it's like a season. Of, mm -hmm. And for me, it feels like two or three, some people maybe longer. Um, yeah. Well, and I know there's a whole astrological piece to that because there's lunar Samhain as well, um, which actually I think falls later than Samhain this year. Like I think it's in November 14th or 15th or something. Um, the new moon. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, everybody's, everybody has slightly, not everybody, but different, I guess, um, different groupings of people, different teachings have different ideas about what it is. I feel like Samhain is a, is a season. Like it feels like it really carries for me from like mid-October through like the beginning of November feels, I feel it a lot stronger. And, you know, I don't know when the veil officially opens, but I can feel that, right? Like, I don't, I don't see like. <laughs> the full moon is full at 11.15. You know, it's not like that. Oh, the gates are open. Now's the time. Right. Exactly. Or maybe it is, but I don't feel that. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> so yes, that is, that is another thing. I love this idea of um, including your kids in, in your ritual, in the things that you do, your traditions that you do around Samhain every year when you're honoring people, because it, for me, it's really about remembering. And part of remembering is, is gifting those stories um, and your family history to the next generation. 
Um, like I don't have kids, so I don't have anybody to do that with. Um, my niece would not do that with me. She'd be like, oh, Andy, no. <laughs> I got her to go to Beltane a few times when she was small. And then she got to an age where she was like, oh no, <laughs> I'm not doing that. Um, but, but when you do have kids and you do have, you know, that family that you're passing information on to, and I think it's a really powerful thing for them to know the people that came before and to know those stories and maybe to create that tradition in a way that they can carry that on to their kids if they so choose. Um, so that someday your name will be in that list of people and your story. <laughs> yeah, I just, I mean, yeah. I feel like um, it's really important to keep talking about people when they pass mm -hmm. um, them alive to let them know that they are remembered. Um, oh my gosh, the movie Coco just popped into my head. So amazing. Like just that idea of like keeping someone alive, their memory alive um, may or who knows may or may not affect, you know, their experience in the other world. Like you don't know. Um, but it, it keeps, you know, keeps them alive in your heart and remembering them and that, you know, um, you know, this is a time where you, it might hit you, your grief might hit you, you know, mm -hmm. as you, as you remember these people, you tell these stories, you feel the loss. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm getting choked up right now thinking about my loss, you know, like, um, this is the time to honor and, and to allow that grief to come and, um, yeah, I feel like it's honoring the grief and the loss within yourself and, and also celebrating, you know, that you, you are still here and you are celebrating, celebrating their life, you mm -hmm. know? Well, and, and I want to add that, you know, grief is very sacred and in our culture, we skim over it a lot. It's like, oh, are you, are you over that yet? Shouldn't you just be back at work doing your thing? And you're like, no, I just su suffered like a major loss. Like, yeah, just to me is a year ago. I'm still going through it. It's not over. You know, everybody's got their own timeline, their own process. And I think grief is not something that disappears. It's something that lives in us. We just learn to live with it. Grief is really just the flip side of love. And it really echoes how much you love somebody in life um, by the depth of your grief, right? Like your relationship that you had with someone is really mirrored in the way that you grieve for them. And um, whatever that looks like for you is important to honor. And I think that this time of year, as we're remembering people, as we're taking that time to tap into whoever our beloved dead are, maybe they're not your ancestors. Maybe it's a dear friend. Um, or like I have my doctor on my altar because he died and I, he was the best damn doctor I ever had, but <laughs> I'm so grateful for him. Um, <laughs> you know, but what happens is when we take the time to remember, sometimes that grief resurfaces in a really fresh way and to make space for that and to remember that, you know, as painful as it can be, it's really just the other side of love. Like it's really a beautiful thing to grieve. Um, I believe, I feel personally, my opinion, I'm making Veronica cry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, That's just a beautiful way you put that. Like, the other side of, you know, it's just like another side of love. And that's really, you know, how we express, you know, how we, 
have and do still feel for this person and or animal or, you know, like it's, it's still living, whether that presence, physical presence is there or not, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it lives in us and around us. You know, that's what love is. It's not, love isn't something that ends. It just transforms all the time. Um, whether it's with somebody who's living or dead, it's true. So I know a lot about love. Love is my superpower. Like it's, <laughs> I'm really good at loving like fiercely and hard. So I, I get it, which means I'm really good at grieving fiercely and hard. <laughs> it's an art form. <laughs> really. I'm telling you, it is an art form. Um, because, you know, I have had a lot of different losses in my life thus far and will have a lot more and everyone is different Mm -hmm. and different messages I get from, you know, society, my friends, my family, you know, just like it, a lot of times, you know, you get the message that it's not okay. You know, like you said, um, you know, we just kind of gloss over it. Oh, it's time to get over or whatever, you know, when it's, it's different and every time it's different, you uh-huh. know, and every way is different. Like maybe yep. I need to, maybe I need to do this now. Like, Ooh, yeah. Yeah. I'm feeling, I'm sh- sure you guys are noticing that I'm feeling it right now. <laughs> like living in me. Yeah. yeah. You're in it which is beautiful and totally okay. Right. Um, and, and I do think that is another gift of Samhain is that by carving out this space to honor those that have come before and those that meant something to us, uh, we also are carving out space for our grief to have a little bit more room, a little more air to breathe, uh, which sometimes we just tuck that away, you know? So, so use the season. (laughs) the health part like the healthiest part of being human Mm -hmm. this holistic idea of life and death whereas like we have this like linear way of thinking we're just living 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 and when death comes it just like whops us over the head like oh that's right I forgot there's death you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) like the more it actually starts living inside you the more there's that feeling of balance you know it's like there's life and there's death like we're flipping the coin here all the time like we like to think that it's just one-sided and it's not you know and the season and what's being reflected outside right now it's very clear as things are falling away you know it's like okay here's the falling away time the, the passing time the time to move into something new you know to give way for for birth Mm -hmm. well that's right that's the beauty of just the wheel of the year and for me the beauty of practicing an earth-based practice is that it's all about the cycles and it's all about honoring that that birth that death that rebirth and that ongoing transition that's happening around us and in us and everywhere at every moment you know all the time so anyway no. Just, 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 let's just dive a little deeper here, shall we? <laughs> um, I, I just want to touch on a couple more um, things about Samhain that can be cool things to do or honor. 
So we talked about honoring our beloved dead, but it's also a time to honor the babies that have come into the world this last year, right? It's to honor that transition between the gates. So I know uh, in the reclaiming tradition, when you go to a big spiral dance, Samhain ritual, they call out the names of the dead and they call out the names of the babies that were born. You know, when you get there, you can walk to the different altars and you can write down. Um, and then during the ritual, while you're in basically a trance state, uh, once you've done your meditation, I think, or right before they call out these names. And I think it's a beautiful thing to say people's names. So whether you're remembering those that have passed or you're acknowledging those that have come forth, taking the time to aloud, say aloud their names um, and just remembering and naming them in this way feels really powerful. You know, names are so powerful. Um, and then all, the other thing about about this time of year is you can do all of these things, but you can also take time to just tap into your interior self and journey. Uh, you know, you may have heard of like Summerland or the Isle of the Apples, which in pagan tradition or some pagan traditions is the place that you go before um, you're born and after you die. It's kind of like that hangout place, right? Where your soul just chills while it waits for the next thing to do. Um, <laughs> And in our tradition or our practice, we do a journey every year to go to the Isle of the Apples and to connect with, um, with our beloved dead, whoever comes forward. And I, I have found over the years of doing this practice that I am often surprised at who comes forward. I'm like setting myself up. I'm like, I'm going to see my dad. Oh no, that's not my dad. That's my cat. What the hell? <laughs> like, <laughs> that was not what I was expecting. <laughs> Yeah. So there's a few ways you can do that. Um, there are public rituals. Uh, I know this year Reclaiming is doing a big uh, spiral dance online uh, that you can access. And I think if you go to reclaiming.org, you could go and look at their, um, what they have available for that. They have tickets that you buy and that money. Anyway, anyway, you can go look at all of that. And if you, that's something you wanna do, it's happening worldwide, which is kind of a cool idea of like joining with all these people all over the world um, and, and being a part of this ritual during which I'm sure you will do a journey because I've never been to a, have you ever been to a Samhain reclaiming ritual that did not include a journey to the aisle? You always go to the aisle. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so that's an option. Uh, another option is you could do it on your own. So if you if you wanted to maybe put on some drumming music, or if you do better in silence, or maybe there's a different type of music that helps you get into that trance state, and really take the time to envision yourself, you know, traveling by boat, or maybe there's a different place that you picture for where your dead go when they leave here. Um, and maybe that's where you journey to, or maybe you just sit there and meditate and allow whoever has messages for you to come. There's a lot of different ways to do this and there's no one right way. I know I say that all the time, but I'm very serious. Um, I'm also going to be hosting a, a public Samhain ritual that's free. So if you're interested in doing that, uh, you can hit me up at wisewomanwitchery at sonic.net and I will get you connected to that link so that um, on Sunday, uh, November 1st at 2 p.m. Pacific time, we'll be doing that live if that's something you're interested in. But everybody has a different way to celebrate and some people like to do it in community and some people like to do it on their own. 
Um, but the trip to the Isle of the Apples is definitely one worth making, I think, at least one time to see what you think. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, if you believe in that or, or if you don't, the imagery in itself yeah. is a beautiful thing. Um, just the idea that there could be a place where your loved ones you know, could come and you could meet them and it's a safe place and they come and go. And um, yeah, I actually, I think it's a Dr. Seuss book. It might be Yertle the Turtle, but there is, there is, there is a part in this book where it's called the waiting place. They talk about like, you know, waiting for a, uh, water to boil, waiting for blah, 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 but it's called the waiting place. And that always reminds me of the Isle of Apples because it feels like the waiting place. Like you don't hang out there. You just go there, you wait, you have an experience and then you leave, you know, and they <laughs> leave. <laughs> I don't know why that every single time I'm like, I think about that book, the waiting place. <laughs> wow. Now I'm going to have to look that up because I don't even know that book. I think it's Yertle the Turtle. I could be wrong, but yeah. <laughs> I'm actually writing this down right now just so I can find out. <laughs> it's pretty amazing experience to go to the Isle of the Apples. And like, I've been there so many times that I like, I totally believe that this is a real place. Like whether I've conjured it in my mind or if it's actually in between our world and the next, I don't know, but it feels real to me. And I have experiences. I have loved ones that come through like, and yeah, it's a really, really special thing. So I would, mm -hmm. I would recommend that. Well, and whether it's a real place or not, just having that experience in your inner realms of going on a journey to a place, even if you imagine it, creates a doorway that opens to allow those energies through um, in a way that you might not experience otherwise, you know, because sometimes it, it takes a lot to get through the layers of self to be able to dip down into that opening that lives inside each of us to be able to receive. So, yeah. And I do want to say a little disclaimer is that every year they always say, everybody says, well, be careful when you leave the aisle that nobody's like on your boat or whatever your transport is to get there just be careful. No one's hitching a ride. Um, yeah. For different reasons. Get, yeah. You might get pregnant. Might get that, pregnant. that might be a little spirit making their way back with you to, um, you know, take up residence in your, your ancestry. <laughs> it wasn't, I didn't get pregnant, uh, but <laughs> I actually had somebody hitch a ride and it was a really interesting experience. Um, talk about spirits like it was a native american and like hitching a ride and like came into my house and i had this whole thing i had to you know clean up afterwards so i just recommend just making sure <laughs> yeah just make yeah. sure you're both yeah yeah totally <laughs> well veronica was there anything else that you felt like it would be good to add here at the end no, I feel, I feel pretty full, full yeah. of the style experience. Thanks, Emily. Yeah. Thank you, Veronica. And thank you everybody for joining us and listening in today. Um, I hope that we've given you a few tips 
to go ahead and celebrate Samhain in your own witchy way, uh, whatever you might choose or however that might be. And uh, until next time, keep it magical, friends. Thanks for tuning in to The Witch Next Door. You can help others find us by subscribing to and rating this podcast. If you're interested in supporting this work, you can do so through the Anchor support link in our description. And if you're ready to dive a little deeper, hop on over to wisewomanwitchery.com and check out the Wise Woman Witchery Diving Deeper monthly membership group. The details and sign-up link are available there. And remember, you are magic. Embrace it. Thank you for joining us on The Witch Next Door. Join us next week as we explore more ways to make every day more magical. Can't wait? Visit wisewomanwitchery.com or follow Wise Woman Witchery on Facebook and Instagram to stay up to date on all current offerings and be a part of the tribe. All episodes are created by Emily Morrison and Veronica Wade Lewis. Music written and performed by Jean Cornelius.